Who's this now? I love backhanded compliments like that. What's going on, Brandon? <laughs> My hair? Yeah, buddy. Your hair. All, All right. right, are we ready to fucking do this this week? <laughs> I think so. No, I am pissed the fuck off for like a week, and I'm drunk. Hell yeah. It's going to start. You got headphones, though, right? Am I not using them? Okay, no, you are. <laughs> I'm I get you didn't even like, touch didn't... your ears. You're just like, what? I just can't tell because no, you have a black shirt and you're... Like, we just, I just got off recording from the other show, and, and honest to fucking Christ, I have like a pay... I could monologue for fucking 20 minutes this fucking week. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good. I'm going to uh, finish changing my guitar strings. I'll let Brandon take over tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> I've been hassling... Uh, Bilbo Swaggins here. <laughs> that we need to fucking do something in town, cause yeah, we do. I'm not. I've decided I'm not even a Marxist anymore, dude. I, I guess I'm an anarchist now, cause I don't care about anything but violence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's your what's your general thing? Like, I, I mean, are you just pissed at the general, very outward and very accepted among even the nominal mainstream right, the far right turn, just the open embracing of fascism, like real fast? Is that the thing that's got you just riled, like? Or is it something else in general? Like no, like very specifically, just that uh, railroad workers fucking wanted sick days, and it was unacceptable to the point where Joe Biden had to like fucking intervene, and the entire Democratic Party was like went full. Like I felt like the term "mask off" got abused a little bit during Trump because he just mm. you know always said what everyone was always thinking. But I feel like this was a true mask off moment where the democratic party does not give a fuck about anyone and i mean i'm 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 not mad about this specifically but even a lot of my friends who are like no get out and vote voting's important blah 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 uh i i've talked to in the past week and they're like yeah you might have been right yeah i mean my point on this is and i feel like we're all shooting our wad a little bit early in terms of starting before the actual recording but like yeah fuck it we can or Mike can just cut it in because I mean, fuck it. Like we had that. a cold open on one of these before. And, yeah, know. like he's, he's good it. like that. But like my whole fucking take on that, and it's like essentially saying what you're saying, Brandon, is that like there, at least in my lifetime, in terms of when I've been actually like politically like aware, there hasn't been nearly as many like stark examples of just the state telling you that they're on the side of the capitalists and not on the side of workers. Like it's in very explicit terms, and like I think I threw it in your guys's Discord. Like, this is just the perfect validation of, like, Lenin's theory on the bourgeois state and what it actually means and what it actually does. It's not of, by, and for the people. It's of, by, and for the bourgeoisie, right? And it's very clear cut when you look at, oh, we're going to split these things into two different bills, right? One, we know we're going to pass, you know, with 80 to 15 or whatever it was, it was bipartisan. We're going to impose these terms upon them. And then in a separate bill... We're going to, you know, throw in this sick leave, which, you know, honestly obfuscates a lot of the important shit that the railway workers rejected the original deal to begin with for. Right. But it's very clear that, like, there's collusion in Congress to separate these things into two bills. And you know what? Republicans, you do you guys do what you do. Right. A couple of you can take your, you know, cynical stances on labor and shit like that. But we know it, nothing's going to pass and we can still do our, oh, our hand wringing and, you know, AOC crying and bullshit like that because it didn't pass. But at the end of the day, it still didn't pass. And the owners won. Any That's one it. of the progressives could have voted for or, or against like squashing the strike and at least had like uh, that, that sort of air of progressiveness or, uh, put on a show. 
and they didn't even fucking bother doing that. And it's not like the entire squad could have voted so that the to allow the strike, and the strike would have still been squashed. They didn't need any of them. Oh damn! But they felt. But they, dude. Um, the Senate voted eighty to fifteen yeah. with five people abstaining. So, like, what is the squad? Like five or six people? Yeah. Yeah. They could like, or uh, shit. Uh, actually, I don't. I never really pay attention to the difference between Senate and and House. So I don't know who's what. But like, I think your point stands. Like, they could have just they they could have made their point as a unit in the House or whatever, and it still would have passed the House to vote to squash the bill. You know, because that mean, that vote wasn't close. I don't think in either in either chamber. To, to his credit, the only person that I saw that you would expect to vote against, or uh, I, I I forget how to phrase like for or against it, but like uh, voted to allow the strike was Bernie. And that actually surprised me a little bit. I kind of expected him to fall in line, but I guess he's old and ornery enough that he don't give a fuck anymore. But like mm. one person out of that you would expect out of like, let's say a dozen that you could have reasonably expected to allow workers to strike under their own free will. Plus like, uh, I, I don't know if this is confirmed, but, uh, uh, what's his name? Red Lichen. Um, posted something earlier where he was it was showing like what the repercussions for them going on strike were did you see that any of you Mm -mm. uh going on strike against the bill up to a month in jail i don't know the fines for any of these things uh like instigating a strike up to a month in jail uh providing financial aid for any striking workers if there is a strike up to six months in jail Damn. So, so they're, they're going really fucking... hardest. To... Yeah. Yeah, they mean it. Like, so, so like, tell me what there is to not be livid about this. Like, a bunch of motherfuckers said all we want is sick days, and they laughed and said no. Like, they made a carve out in the original bill that made like uh what uh any contract workers under the federal government got sick days except for rail workers. When rail workers said they wanted to be included, they told them to go fuck themselves. We'll do it live. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Right, it's the live show for this week. And by the live show, I mean the fucking tanky shock jock news hour for the week. <laughs> the conglomeration <laughs> of leftist podcasts. So uh, this week we got myself, Mike, he, him, and more he, him from the Turn Leftist Podcast. We got Nick, he, him, and Steve, he, him from the Intervention Podcast. And we got Brandon, he, him from the Cars and Comrades Podcast. How you guys doing? What's going on? I've had better weeks. Yeah, I can tell, bud. Yeah, <laughs> England, England won today, so that made me a little happier. Hey, nice. Who they beat? Senegal. Oh, poor Senegal. That yeah, can't catch a break. That feels too much like a metaphor, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what do you say, guys? We devote the first half to the uh, rail strike, and then the second half to Kanye bullshit. What if we just devote the first ninety percent to the rail strike, and then Kanye can go fuck himself? <laughs> yeah, we can do that too. <laughs> I, guess I actually we'll just would see how it goes. I wouldn't mind if any of you guys are up for it uh, at some point this week. I would watch that entire three-hour stream again and then just react to it and then make content out of that, segment it into like hour-long chunks and release it for like I don't know, even just a Patreon because dude, there is so much gold. Like he it is fucking so hours? incredibly cringe. It's fucking insane, <laughs> dude. And it's it's never not entertaining, even just for the value of like feeling good. Like I feel so much better about what we are doing right here and now. As far as our level of professionalism, because oh my god, these guys for the money they're making and the amount of views they're getting, like 
they are shit at what they do, you guys. Like, I got to tell you, but I mean, I want to hand it to you, Brandon. Take it away with the real strike because I know you are fired up and you want to uh, just get into it. So let's do that. Yeah, I am pissed the fuck off like you have never seen me on this fucking show before because I don't remember the last time I was this fucking angry. And uh, I fucked up because yesterday I was pissed off. And then today I started like going or digging around online for like some extra stuff for my notes. And when I started seeing like the headlines and the way that this was being portrayed, I wanted to fucking like go to fucking CNN and throw up on all the fucking anchors and shit. Like every fucking headline is like for anybody who somehow doesn't know what's going on, uh, Joe Brandon and all of everyone in the fucking Dems, Republicans, Senate, House, everybody voted to crush the railroad workers strike they were effectively just asking for sick days uh and what they instead got was told to go fuck themselves every fucking headline that you come across in like regular media presents it the same way it's it's a victory crisis narrowly averted that's that was the theme across the board was crisis narrowly averted i'm sorry what fucking crisis was averted the crisis that maybe like fucking capital was going to have to pay like 0.5% of their fucking profits to their workers that they didn't originally intend to no get fucked okay i'm i'm going to read you a quote it is so fucking gross american consumers can rest assured that they will have an exceptional shopping experience this holiday season with the threat of a railroad strike averted sarah gilmore director of government affairs at the retail industry leaders association sarah gilmore from the bottom of my heart, uh, I actually, no, I can't say what I was about to say because it'll have to get it <laughs> yeah, out. <laughs> no, um, I hope that you get the Irish Republican Army treatment. <laughs> That's uh, I mean, Gilmore's an appropriate name, right? What's that? Yeah, I said Gilmore's an appropriate name for that, I believe. I just these fucking ghouls, dude. Like, it's sure, I get not caring about anyone but yourself, I guess, but like to just no, be that framing, so... that framing, Brandon, is like worse than any propaganda you could even pitch me that some other country is being sold. Like, if you told me that in like, I don't know, some country in the Middle East that has a one party dictatorship that has all these social programs we could only wish we have, um, and the state controls the news and they tell them, you know, some really horrible shit and they spin something, it's like, uh, yeah, that sounds way worse to me. Like, just to say, like, look, we crush these workers, but spin it as, hey, don't worry. You can still get all your shopping done. Don't worry. Spend all your fucking money. Max out those credit cards, you little piggies. Like, I could, I could probably go buy a fucking newspaper right now and see uh, page one, Iran protests. Page two, oh, Chinese protests because COVID, blah, blah, blah. Page three, like, thank God we are going to get to have a normal Christmas because railroad workers can go fuck themselves. But that I'm kind of shit is just so yeah. critical to preventing, you know, working class, whatever strata you may be, working class solidarity in the imperial core, right? Because, you know, you're not talking at all about how much, I mean, one of these railroads is owned, in, at least in part, substantial part by Warren Buffett, right? But that doesn't come up at all. So there's no fucking discussion on that. It's just, hey, for, you know, the average middle class person, like, your, the holidays are still on, you know, that's all it is. And, you know, my mom, like, I just, I was talking about some of my family and they're like, explain like what's going on as you see it, you know, and no conception of 
of that just from like seeing what was coming on from the news you know no conception of the way that like we would see it from a working class perspective even though they're working class you know what are they like is is because i haven't watched any of the the news framing of this like all i've seen the mainstream news talking about is fucking kanye but are they just saying that the railroad workers are being greedy and then like average people are believing that like even liberals is that what's going on there that's my sense of it yeah Oh, it's crazy. I haven't dug into it too hard. I haven't seen much that really made it seem like they were being greedy. Um, it kind of just seemed like, like, oh yeah, sure, they like maybe what they want is reasonable, but look at what they're willing to like risk just to get what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, the risk, like the the implication being that like they're willing to shut down the entire economy. But the framing is a hundred percent of the time that the workers are willing to sacrifice the entire Christmas economy. Uh, just to get what they want, which is, you know, sick leave. And there's never the framing that, like, the bosses are refusing to sacrifice a small iota of their profits so that workers can have sick leave. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know how far back you guys have been following the railroad strike. I kind of feel OG because I remember when it, like, predictions first started happening well before there was ever a declaration of a strike. And I've, I've been following it ever since. And never has there been any sense that what they wanted was greedy. It was that, like, these workers are on call a ridiculous amount of the fucking time. They work intense fucking hours. And I don't have any, like, concrete confirmation of this, but someone I know has told me that there has been an excess number of incidents in rail yards up to and including derailments. Now, there was a hint that maybe it was on purpose because they're trying to get what they want. But the bigger picture appears to be that like they are working people tired and understaffed. Mm -hmm. So you have people who are working long hours, understaffed, underpaid. They can't even really take sick days off. I've heard accounts of, it's not that they just even wanted paid sick days. It's that they were punished for taking days off period. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think just the idea that it's just sick leave or whatever that came up in that bill actually obfuscates a lot of the other things that they were asking for in terms of why the original deal that, you know, quote, Biden brokered or whatever it is, but like 60% of the union work, you know, the union organizations from the railroad perspective, they, you know, rejected the this brokered deal, right? So the vote is to essentially impose this deal without risk of strike. And just to say that it's like medical leave was like the only point of contention in terms of what they put into the other bill actually obfuscates the fact that there's a lot of other issues at play here as well. It's not just that to your point, Brandon, you know? It's like, it sounds like a dumb question. And I feel like, like I'm not even a Marxist anymore for even having to ask it. But it's like, how hard is it for them to just hire more of these workers? Like, is it really just a problem that they don't have enough of these guys that they can't afford to give them? Uh, that, days off even, no, no one wants to work anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's probably similar to my industry, which isn't railroad, but railroads tied into it. But they just don't pay people enough. It's fucking obvious. Like, I was saying that the money is really good though that they're making like six figures, and that they just want to be able to also take a day off with that like job that is admittedly grueling. But yeah, the, like I mean, maybe that's being misrepresented too, because of course it's the media that I'm hearing that from. Sorry, Brandon, what's up? No, you're good. Um, I don't know concretely whether this is accurate. But in terms of them making six figures, I-, I could see that being possible because I have heard talk of them having to work over 100 hours a week. Oh, okay. I mean, it's yeah, the same in my industry. Sorry, if, no, it's no problem. If you work, 
at my company, if you work tons of overtime, you can earn a shitload of money, but you have no life and you're working, like Brandon said, 100 hours a week. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, we have, we have like 100 openings at one of our plants that we haven't been able to fill. And it's because they're not willing to pay people enough to go and work. But again, they have the excuse, like Brandon said, nobody wants to work anymore. It's just bullshit. I mean, we, I... we have like weekly calls where our transportation people are like, if this happens, like, to your earlier point, everything's going to shut down. We're going to be finished. Meanwhile, like ninety percent of what we do is on is on trucks. So yeah, like capital is just saying that this is going to grind the country to a halt when you know and do everything to avert a strike and not support workers. But that's what like you know the bourgeoisie people that I work with complain about every day. I mean, I'm fine with the economy coming to a fucking halt yeah, no sh- over no sick days, like well exactly. deserved sick days. I'm all for it. Wildcat fight, like- motherfuckers, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. which interesting. No, I'll go ahead, Brian. Go hungry if it means that a strike gets to fucking work. I don't give a yeah. fuck. So that was actually it's- going to be my question before we started recording. Was um, maybe Nick, you would know, or Steve, like because you guys, I think, have talked more about some labor struggles. Or actually, Brian, you guys do it a lot as well. But what would the be? What would be the side strike? Because um, what's going on, room for Leonard? Um, I think that might be it. I'm not sure. So I think we talked on a couple of episodes about like other ways that people were able to strike in solidarity with the real workers since it's illegal for them to do it, that you could make the strike happen if you use people who aren't railroad workers themselves. Um, I don't know if anybody has any ideas as to how that would work, but uh, I don't know. Let me know. And then, Steve, you had something before I, I popped in. Now, if anybody has an answer to your question, then I'll save my point. Yeah, I'm not sure. But what I was just going to say is it, it's it's interesting because the I used to live in the Netherlands and the, there's a plant in Holland that's about to go on strike and they're going on strike because they want a way, they want something to, with their wage tied to inflation and they're going to go on strike. And I don't know if it's the same here and Brandon, you may know, or Nick may know if they go on strike, the union pays them as long as they're paid up members of the union, the union pays them, but the government is effectively supporting them because they want workers to have something that protects them against inflation which is, you know, refreshing and surprising. At least that's what it, how it was explained to me by one of my friends. But it's just, you know, it's crazy how different it is here. And, you know, it's, Holland's still a capitalist country, but I think they look after people a little bit better. But if um, they go on... Oh, go ahead. No, it was just, would workers get... Would the union pay workers if they go on strike here? In general, I know a lot of unions have strike funds. Yeah. Now, how that's used, I don't know. The union that I have been working on getting into... We haven't gone on strike in like something like 80 years. Uh, so there are like when we almost went on strike last year when I was trying to join. And uh, there was a lot of stuff that people were just confused about because it's not really come up in a long time. For, for us specifically, I don't understand. I, I think that. Um, OK, well, I will say currently, I believe as the, the new bill that just passed was worded. I don't think that they're allowed to use union funds to support uh, any workers that go on strike if it's a wildcat. Yeah. Yeah. And to be clear, like I haven't heard anything concrete, but there is a lot of talk of wildcats. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the main thing that we have to contend with in the U S with respect to that question is, you know, one that the socialist and communist communist presence within labor unions in the U.S. has been neutered since the McCarthy era, McCarthy era and beyond, right? So 
you know, and like most of these major unions are essentially, you know, functionally in bed with the Democratic Party in terms of like the leadership and the bureaucracy, right? So, I mean, I can't speak categorically to, you know, the specific unions representing the railway workers in this sense, but I just know for a fact that a lot of the rail or, or a lot of the, you know, unions in general are just part of the democratic apparatus at some level, you know? So like, even if the, the even if like they didn't have like this legislation in place, would the union administration aspects actually be in support of going against the democratic party? Because that's just how it is right now, because like they're kind of part of the establishment at some level, you know, just because like something you said reminded me of it. Do remember everyone that like, uh, this is not a union that is being crushed or wanted to go on strike. This is like a dozen unions. Right. It's just all like directly related to each other. Yeah. I don't know who knows what, so I'm going to, you know, that was, yeah, that was like one. It. That was one framing I did see from like the media that was like a bit disingenuous. It was like trying to say that like, or um, like purposely saying that like the unions agreed to the contract. Like the union leaders, like eight out of the twelve union leaders agreed to the contract, even though like over seventy thousand workers voted against it. Like they chose that framing purposefully. Okay, let's like to go back a little bit further. Let's be abundantly clear. That when the last agreement was reached, what actually happened was no agreement was reached. The workers were fucking lied to, like straight up fucking lied to. And that was what narrowly averted the strike the last time was that they took all of the workers in all of those unions, lied to them about the agreement so that they were able to like, uh, you know, uh, continue on to at least like review it. And everyone struck like once it came to like light that the agreement was non-existent and nothing uh, that they were asking for. That's why it had to go back to negotiations. All that previous agreement was strong quotation fingers. There uh, was them biding time, Biden time uh, <laughs> because they wanted to postpone the strike by like another month or six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're double there. I'm my... pissed you did that, though. I'm pissed you did the Biden touch. <laughs> it was it was too perfect at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm laughing at it. Like, yeah, I, but I guess that's my point, though, is that like you, you need to have like obviously. I think we can all agree that you know a union is anything. Like, I agree, even, with even if it's to legally be redacted at this point. Yeah, but like I'm just saying, like. No, Any union, even as like in bed is like with the democratic establishment is still better than no union at this point. But I think what we need is like, we need separation from the democratic party, you know, like we need socialist and communist leadership within this kind of stuff to actually make a difference, you know, because otherwise it's still going to, as with everything that, you know, falls within the democratic party sphere is going to continue to be like ratcheted along to the right, leaving workers behind, you know, as the whole fucking structure is anyway. No, I like I don't know what Mike's going to use for the cold open before we were like we were officially recording, but like that 100%. So many people I know are I I I'm sadly I'll say that in 6 months they'll probably change their mind, but for right now a lot of people who were like get up and vote, like this is the most important election of our lifetime, blah blah blah, you know, doing the song and dance. A lot of those people that I talk to now suddenly are like, you know what? Maybe it didn't make a fucking difference cuz all the people I would have voted for are just voted against, like letting the union strike. Yeah, 
And I like I want to address one other thing too. Like we don't have to harp on it too much, but like I actually made notes, so I'm gonna like try and go with it. There were two you, you, everyone here knows that there were two separate bills, right? Yeah. Yep. So there, there was a bill to, to crush the strike, and there was a separate bill to give everyone set, like to give all of the real workers seven days of paid sick leave. And it was two separate, like, I just, I, I want to deal with the fact that it was two separate bills. Because if it was one bill, then it would force everyone in Senate, everyone in Congress, fucking Joe Biden himself, to either say, like, yes, you get at least a modicum of what you want, but you can't strike, or you can strike and you don't get like these things that we were going to give you. And they had to that the Democrats once again pre-negotiated themselves to a loss before they even got to the table, before they even got to like the voting point. Are you telling me that they did that to workers? Like they would never. Well a loss for who? You gotta be real workers. clear about that. Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, that's the entire no, thing. Right. Like, this whole game that they play all the time, which is like, oh, I'm sorry, we couldn't come through for you guys this time, but don't forget to get out the vote because we'll be stronger next time. We really will get, we'll, we'll get the bad guys next time. We will get you guys a win the next time. And it's like, I don't know. I, I how do you, how much do you, I guess that's really blows my mind. What you were saying, Nick, earlier about how people just don't even understand that this was a huge loss for the working class in general. It's like, I guess that is the level that people are not paying attention and they don't understand the entire split the bill thing and how Democrats once again purposely set the table to not even like ham fist it so that Republicans could just shut it down. They just purposely set it up so that nobody would have to, like they did it intentionally to like lose four workers. Like people have 100%. to understand that. Like that's all it is. And I'll say it again here, just in case it's easier to, you know, not edit in the cold open into this part since we're talking about it here. But like, again, there's just no clear example of, you know, what we say all the time is that there's really only one party and it's the party of capital, right? And it's clearly collusion on the side of both parties to get together to say, hey, look, this is how this is going to go down, right? We're going to bipartisan, bipartisanly vote um, to stop any potential strike from happening, right? And then we're going to put on the fucking dog and pony show with respect to, again, you know, just a segment of what the um, the rail workers are asking for, you know, and it's just so interesting. And I have a quote here from it was some article I pulled, but it was like the response from the business groups and the Association of American Railroads. So um, this article, just a snippet from it, it says the business groups and the Association of American Railroads Trade Association praised the House vote to block the strike, but urged senators to resist adding sick time to the deal. Quote, unless Congress wants to become the de facto endgame for future negotiations, any effort to put its thumb on the bargaining scale to artificially advantage either party or otherwise obstruct a swift resolution would be wholly irresponsible. And quote said Ian Jeffries, head of the AAR. Okay, so what is that first bill but putting the thumb on the scale in the favor of capital? Okay, Dude, and it's like it's useless to stop. Yeah, it's useless to call it the hypocrisy or whatever, but you just have to analyze this in the context of what fucking Congress actually did, right? Yeah. And it's just the perfect illustration of a state for and by the bourgeoisie to ensure their right to profit and private property. That's all it is. It's all it ever will be until we change it. When when you said something where it was like, oh, we can't do this because we have to resist the urge to put our finger on the scale, I'm like sitting here waiting for you to say the other thing that's going to make all of that make sense. God damn, fuck. 
This is hey, the head of the, Ameri- the Association of American Railroads. This is the guy. This is the mouthpiece for the capitalists on the railroad side. So just, of course, it makes sense when you know who it is. You know? He's away from taking my van out and ripping out railroad tracks. <laughs> hey, don't worry, guys. It's okay. Like, we live in a free country. Only other societies and, like, regimes are authoritarian. Like, that stuff doesn't happen here. Yeah. You know, like nothing that gov- like they don't just force things upon the people here. Like, that's just that's only things that like in China. Yeah. You know, what, like my biggest fear in all of this is that, like, I don't understand tonal languages very well. So it's going to be very hard for me as a refugee in China. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. No. If you watch some of those TikTok videos, it's crazy. <laughs> Fuck. Dude, dude, what pigs, dude? Oh, my fucking God. There is not so, one thing I want to say about any of these fucking individuals that I can say legally on recording. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um so Brandon, I feel I don't know, I'm like not as passionate about it as you. I just am still in that that space that I'm usually in, which is that detached, like very cynical like I'm sad about I, it I definitely. Was like, say, I, I lack your cynicism. Every now and then I have like maybe not a glimmer of hope, but a glimmer of like mediocrity. And when mm. it falls short of that, it just no, but this is fucking major. It took a congressional bill to crush a very moderate demand by an enormous workforce for a, an utterly indispensable industry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah I mean, talking a lot. The oh, only reason ahead. I'm even mentioning how I feel is because I just want to I want to get to both of you guys, but I just I feel that even less that like usually I would take this as an opportunity because being the the hyper online and passive aggressive guy that I am to dunk on all the libs and be like this is yeah, this is why I didn't fucking vote in midterms. This is why I didn't like tell people to go vote in midterms or why it was important to vote blue no matter who or even care about the fucking squad. It's like they all will betray you. But it's like I don't even feel like doing it. Like I don't even feel like doing the we told you so thing because it's like I just kind of feel sad for these workers. And I do realize the implications that this has for just the working class all across the board when it comes to striking going forward now. But uh, let me go with Ward and then uh, Nick, you had something too. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, Brandon, I don't, I might not be able to help you get to like Mike's level, but like if you want to get to my level, just disassociate really hard. (laughs) I don't think you understand my capacity for rage. It's infrequent. So most people underestimate it. (laughs) I guess my point is with, um, I don't know. I just, I was with the group that I organized with earlier today and we were just talking about like the past 20 years and all of the you know, radicalizing moments since, call it 9-11, you know, where like there's a specific, you know, moment that happens, you know, a contradiction occurs or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, that kind of pushes people towards radicalism, right? Like Real event. Right. Some kind of like real event. So I guess like on some kind of not even like optimistic, but just objective level, like you can look at it and say, look, there's going to be people that are, you know, disaffected by this right it's another fucking contradiction of the system that's actually exposed so it is a kind of moment a pull for further radicalization right like we've already got like at least you know i know we kind of get down on it all you know at some level rightfully so because shit is fucking bleak but the reality is is that you know considering that socialism was not even really talked about in the 90s and early 2000s we're at a point that like at least the term is not as boogeyman as it used to be, you know? So, I mean, you have a a point here where, you know, you've got people that are disaffected and that can go one of two ways. So I think from like, if you're organizing on the left, you have to look at it from, okay, 
we knew this was going to happen, right? Because we understand how this system works, right? And like, so how can we agitate, agitate and educate around this moment to kind of expose the state? Because like I said before, you're not going to get many clearer examples of the state coming down on the side of the capitalists against the workers, right? The problem is if you don't have the organization and the institutions to fight against it, what are you, what's going to happen? You're going to get right-wing opportunism. You're going to get, you know, people like Ted Cruz using this fucking cynically to say, oh, I got to side with the workers. Trump's going to do the same fucking thing. Even though we know if Trump was president, this would not have come out any fucking differently, right? Mm. But you can see a union, you know, a, a trade union rail worker being like, hey, man, like I fucking I stumped for Biden. Right. Like my union was all behind Biden and now he fucked us. So who's going to get that guy? You know, who's going to get him? Yeah, I did see. Um, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Shahid Buttar, but he was like probably the biggest guest that we had on our show. And I follow him on Instagram and he posted a screenshot of like a text message that was supposed to be from. A real worker today and they basically just said that they had exactly that uh nick they stumped for biden or they had like a sign in their yard for three years that said impeach trump and now they're going to go vote for trump in the coming round of elections and like i can see how that's really scary for liberals who still care about electoralism and everything but it's again as someone who keeps saying episode after episode that your vote is fucking masturbatory to assuage your guilt for living in the fucking imperial core and benefiting off of that and not taking any kind of material action against that fucking entire premise um yeah i can't really be moved or swayed too much by that but i do think it's uh definitely fun to troll some liberals with because this is the whole thing we're doing right it's like because we are in the position that we're in where we have consistent uh you know positions and we poke fun and we point out the hypocrisy of the liberals as well as the conservatives we are basically making like a list of grievances week after week that we can that we can point to and say like look this is why we're not getting out the fucking vote for joe biden in 2024 or any of the other fucking democrats even if it's the fucking squad and you can claim that they're not like the fucking bought and paid for uh establishment democrats or whatever you distinction that you're making among the different fucking bourgeois politicians that none of which serve you it's like you we will be able to point back to all of this and say this is why go back to right after the midterms as soon as they started fucking you and they immediately abandoned everything they promised the fucking weed the fucking student loans the fucking railroad strikes like the, everything that they promised you just went right out the window what you got brandon Guada grifters <laughs> something about what nick said really like clicked and it made me realize why this upset me more than most things do and it's the very simple thing that like when you're on the left what are your options like running for office kind of but not really uh you can join an organization to organize with you can volunteer do work in your community and what's one of the other big ones that you see everyone talk about online join a union am i i'm not alone here right like oh, yeah 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 no and what we are seeing here is that one of the tools that we have in our arsenal, which none of our tools are especially like strong and great, but we work with what we've got. But here we have one of our strongest tools, joining a union and striking for what you want, being crushed on a federal level. And I think that's where it really hurts me. Yeah. Like the, the like because what is more fascist than taking one of the few outlets that you have to respond to right-wing extremism, extremism, to capitalism, to fascism, then, you know, joining a union, going on strike, like demanding, showing your power as a worker, 
And here was the federal government saying, like, we really don't give a fuck. You can't do that. You're right about your level of power. You're wrong about your autonomy. So, like, yeah, like, that that's where it hurts me. Like, that's, I don't know, remember exactly what you said, Nick, that, like, clicked with me. But that's it. Like, one of the big tools in our arsenal, if if they don't go on strike now, then the federal government has said, like, no, that is no longer a tool in your arsenal. And if the federal government gets to say what the tools are in our arsenal, we have no power, period. But there's literally no other way that this fucking goes, is there? There's no other way. It didn't maybe didn't have to happen this year, but eventually, with just with the tendency for capital to accumulate with the state fully in its hands, this this happens. This is what happens. This is the inevitable. And I don't want to get like too like deterministic with shit, but like people make choices. And when capital drives the choices, these are the choices that are made. These are the decisions that are made based on that incentive and that governing structure. So eventually this was going to happen. And so now the question is, what do we do about it? You know, yeah. and maybe not- and shit like this is going to continue to fucking happen. You know, that's just how it goes. Maybe other people don't feel this way, but to me personally, this feels like a straight up declaration of class war. Yeah. I'm like this far from having to call my mom and be like, hey, mom, this is the last time we talk while I'm outside jail. So, I, you know, I really do wonder sometimes, and that's something I wonder about, like, any of these events. And I, I mentioned it before when you said something, Nick, about a real event. And 9-11 is one that gets called a real event. And by real event, I'm referring to, like, this is like a Marxist thing that I barely understand myself. And I'm getting it from other podcasts I listen to who have just now recently started to talk about Lacanian analysis of things. And um, talking about the difference between the spectacle and the real And so by the spectacle, I mean, like, when we talk about the fucking midterm elections, and it's like, you, we were all talking about it here, how that was just a bunch of fucking malarkey, like, to to use Brandon's words, it's (laughs) like, um, we knew that, like, nothing was going to meaningfully change, no matter how that turned out. And then once it was over, everybody just kind of went back to business as usual, even though the Democrats got, like, supposedly the outcome that they kind of wanted they still go back to immediately not serving workers as we expected so that was very much believe how quick they went that direction yeah dude it's what what did this take like three weeks yeah three weeks and like we don't need the voters anymore go fuck yourself call us again in two years sorry sorry to interrupt you like no it's fine just but you know contrast that to like whereas uh you mentioned nick 9-11 and that's something that I think everyone can point to immediately as the most real event in their lifetimes, because immediately everyone's lives was changed around the entire world because of like the actions of these few people and whatever the auspices behind that, whatever, whoever put them up to it, however big the organization was behind that or however small it was, it doesn't matter. That was a very real event because that changed things. And that wasn't just as much as we were watching it on TV and as much as we experienced it that, that way it was something that was materially and changed everyone's lives in a very material way. And so I do wonder sometimes, especially when it comes to events like this, like I get that this is setting a terrible precedent for workers, but I also just wonder like in the context of the U S being in the literal fascist state that we are in, what rights do workers actually have? It's like, I just, I still wonder if it's just a spectacle. Like I I get it. Like I do feel the same way you feel Brandon minus the anger. I just, I, like I said, I feel bad for these workers to the point that I'm not even trying to gloat at liberals for telling them that like this was this was an entirely useless thing to support Democrats. I just I don't know what have we really lost here? And like 
if we did, if if there actually is something lost materially, did we gain the more of the mask dropping? Do like are we getting more liberals onto our side and getting more militant? Hopefully, because I also wonder that too, because that feels more like online spectacle to me. Like the fact that liberals maybe. I don't know, maybe some more will join the SRA, maybe a few more will take up target shooting or buy a plate carrier or something, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if we're going to see like Black Lives Matter level, Black Lives Matters level protests in 2020. Like, I don't know. Uh, it, it makes let's me go, sad, uh, I think you're right. Let's go uh, Nick and then Brandon. I mean, this is just purely anecdotal, but just to that point, you know, I've got like a discord with some of my high school friends, most of which I would describe as like progressive liberals, right? And I've been like talking to them about shit, like just trying to frame things in different ways for a long time, you know, and they're getting closer and closer to try to move them to socialism. And I'm probably insufferable at points, you know, but you know, this railroad stuff came out. I'm glad I'm not the only one doing this to my high school friends, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, you guys it's, are the that's praxis, of isn't it? It's it, haunting them. It's it, yeah, it's praxis, isn't it? But like, I just kind of came out and I, I, I put a post about like this railroad stuff and my thoughts on it. And I just ended with, are you guys fucking socialists yet? Because we're running out of time. And a couple of them were like, yeah, I think we are now. This is insane. And I was like, great. You know? So like, I mean, that's just like it, purely anecdotal. But to that point, I think it can provide this kind of, like I said, it's a radicalizing moment, provided that people are hearing something other than like fucking Fox News or Alex Jones or something like that, you know? That rules. I'm, th- this is, I'm normally pretty calm. I, I take an approach as though, like, most people don't like to just be bun- bombarded with, you know, politics that they are not familiar with. It takes, like, a easing them into it. It's a slow process. And for the last week, I've just been like, are you listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I literally went from trying to be calm to, like, see? See, this is what you get. You vote and you hope for the fucking best. And you get Joe Biden telling everyone to go fuck themselves. And I'm genuinely surprised at how many people have been like, okay, okay, I'm listening. Tell me more. And I don't, I don't know what more to tell them. Because honestly, at this point, like, you know, uh, if, if I it, sort of like indulge Mike's, uh, you know, Lacanian approach to like uh, the spectacle versus the real Dude, I don't know what's spectacle and what's real anymore. Like, at this point, I just want violence. I just, and like, like violence entirely directed upwards. Yeah. Oh my God. There are thousands of people who are not going to learn a lesson from voting, but are going to learn a valuable lesson if, and just, just add in like a redacted sound here because I can't say anything that would be appropriate. But like, oh my fucking God. There is no. Grass is not enough. <laughs> Ward, I wanted to see real quick. Um, did you want to do any quick hits? Because you put a, a little article in chat there, and the headline was just "Men in Unions Make 1.3 Million More in Their Lifetime Than Men Not in Unions," which I think is an amazing statistic. Um, but I wanted to see: Did you ha- have anything from that article that you wanted to talk about? Because I wanted to try and segue into our other segment for the night. Um, not really. I just uh, thought it was like some good, like factual evidence. Is a recently published paper with uh, Cornell University. Um, like kind of slid under the news. Not a lot of people heard about it, but I wanted to bring it up, especially when Brandon was saying like, join a fucking union. Yeah. And so like, if you'd want to see some material benefit of joining a union, 1.3 million more in your lifetime. I mean, that's pretty fucking significant, right? Yeah. Okay. 
not not to like keep being that guy. I uh my union application is processing and should be finished like literally any week now. My union fucking sucks dicks. Uh I would be better like I'm better off being in that union than not, but they argue for better wages and better benefits and we still somehow manage to consistently get committed to like 60, 70 and 80 hour work weeks. So don't just join a union. Join a union and then start working towards being like important in the union and make friends with all your fucking coworkers and convince all your coworkers that the bosses don't actually care about you and radicalize those motherfuckers and then convince them that unions need to start supporting social causes because it's a fucking hard sell and has been for fucking 80 years. But do it all. Yeah. And that's when you start making progress. <laughs> Joining a union is step one of ten. It's an important fucking step, but it's step one of ten. Yeah. Or twelve or fifteen or twenty. I'm making up numbers. And yeah, join a union and then be like the Ho Chi Minh in that union. Like, like be based yeah. as fuck. Well. Like, I'm Drop over some not being on that ground. After this shit, like it'll be ten years before anybody stops hearing me and be like, hey, you remember the fucking real rail strike? Yeah. Yeah, pick up that <laughs> fucking gun. And I honestly, I don't know. So I wanted to talk about the the whole fucking Kanye thing, and I feel like I could again be misinterpreting the whole distinction between the spectacle and the real because again, I'm just barely familiar with it. But I feel like that's a big distinction between the right and the left is that they are very much involved with the spectacle, and that's why they get so deep into the spiritual aspect of everything. Like for anybody who listened to more than just the the hot clips that are going around of uh, Kanye's time on Alex Jones. Um, he did a lot of fucking Bible talk, man. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. Steve, did you listen to the whole thing? Yeah. yeah How much I listen- did he preach, dude? It's like it's like eighty percent. But I mean, this the really scary thing about it, I think that again it gets looked over because everybody just sees a headline: Kanye praised Hitler, right? And that's all they see, and they're just like, "Well, Kanye's crazy, or Yay's crazy." So, but I mean, like he's just associating now with like this Ali Alexander, Nick Fuentes, and they're all christian fascists right yeah i mean they were talking about like the whole thing on that alex jones if you like really listen to it like jones and that owen troyer and all those guys are talking about the first amendment and that ali alexander comes on and he says like he wants him and yay and nick fuentes want to create defamation laws so like they don't want free speech they don't give a shit like and so they all it, it was all like bible preaching because these guys are christian fascists it's uh, crazy shit man like yeah i was saying in the group chat earlier like if we wanted to be a shittier show, like we just ran out of things to say, like luckily that will never happen because I will never fucking run out of shit to say. I don't know about you guys, but like I will do this forever. But like he would just read scripture. He was just pulling out his phone and fucking reading verses. Um, and the great thing about when you read biblical verses is like, as they say, even the devil can quote scripture. Like it doesn't fucking mean anything clear. So for dumb people, for people who are like just kind of looking for something to help them in their life who feel vaguely alienated by capitalism but also have been raised to think that capitalism is the one true thing that will help them in their lives it's like yeah that's that shit speaks to them because it just it feels vaguely good and even though it has like a jesus has a very communist message if you actually get into what he wanted for people um yeah it, it really blows my mind that people fall for that i mean it's crazy man like i said earlier like it's so unprofessional they had so much like dead air and just so so much awkwardness. Like, how awkward did Alex Jones get every time? Like, Ye would praise Hitler or, and there were just Nazis in general. Like, it was really fucking awkward. Like, Steve and yeah. I were talking about it last night, and there's that there's the one part where Ye says something about Hitler, and um, 
Jones tries to, he kind of like acknowledges it and then tries to pull it away. And then Kanye like immediately is just like doubles down. He's like, I like Hitler. no, I actually love Hitler. And Alex Jones, if you can just see him, like his fucking fat face gets like really red. And he's like, oh, I think I got to go into this now, don't I? There's no escaping it. It's just like, but like I don't know if any of you listened to that knowledge fight or if any of you ever listened to that. I mean, those guys are like pretty libby, but they basically break down almost every one of Alex Jones's episodes. So they did like three and a half hours on this one. And they they talk a lot about all the different stuff. But one of the things they mentioned was, and one of the guy's dad is like a theologic scholar. And the other guy was raised basically in like a religious cult. So they've all broken away from this religion, but they know a ton about it. And there's one part where like, Ye was reading scripture or whatever. And, and this guy tracked it down to, he wasn't actually reading scripture. He was reading an article for women who have busy lives, but want to be Christians. And he was like, quoting what they were saying about scripture and like this guy found the exact wording and like where it was from and everything and he was like listen i'm not going to take religious advice from some guy having a breakdown and just pray and like being manic on on air but i'm also not going to take it from some woman who just writes some article because she's just been introduced to to christianity so like yeah i mean you can just see this guy's just uh, and when he goes through all the other stuff like pornography and everything and you know like he tried to equate that to um pedophilia at one point mm. yay like they broke that down to there's one of the there's some guy that is that nick fuentes is like one of his mentors and like that's his whole thing is is all this stuff so he's just getting all this shit from like nick fuentes and all these other people that are fucking dangerous because i think this whole thing is going to get blown over at one point right they're just going to say like yay's crazy all this shit's gone Let's move on. He'll get forgotten about. But if this, if like Nick Fuentes is able to gain, I mean, like you saw how fast Trump co-opted the fucking Republicans. You know this Nick Fuentes guy can, and he's just going to use this to like make connections and do other shit. And he's a fucking dangerous guy, but he sounds somewhat intelligent. And like he was pretty strategic in that, where like he kept quiet and just would say a few things now and again. He wasn't like overtly like a week before that he had said that Jews should be kicked out of this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's dangerous. And like, if he can build his importance by using yay, I mean, that's, I think that's the more dangerous thing that people just gloss over. No, actually, that's a really big takeaway from that. And they mentioned it just very quickly. But when they did talk about their meeting with Trump, um, Trump was much more impressed with Nick Fuentes than anybody. Like, right. he actually seemed like less, just from even their own words, like even with Tanya and Nick Fuentes both describing it, uh, they both said that Trump was much more impressed with Nick Fuentes. And wants to just like groom this kid probably in every way you could imagine that word but um yeah we go with ward and then nikki has something too yeah real quick like um because like I, I didn't watch it i'm just getting like most of my information through you guys and like some other things that i saw before hopping on here but like you can see nick fuentes the whole time just like huge shit-eating grin on his face yeah. staring at yay lovingly because he like he knew that he doesn't have the political weight to be able to go on that show and say all those things, but to be able to hear Kanye say it for him is perfect. Yeah. And he was excited for it. Yeah. Well, and that's the big problem, just to like kind of remove it from the spectacle of Kanye, which, I mean, it does matter because Kanye does have such a big platform and he is going to be co-opted and used um, to get these other people's messages out. But like what it amounts to is that you know, this is something that is amid a rising tide of anti-Semitism, right? Which is 
I mean, that's just objectively happening. I mean, you can see it. It, it is affiliated with Kanye in some instances where it's like you see billboards where it's like Kanye's right about the Jews. You've got fucking Nazis like doing banner drops on bridges and shit like that. But it's not just around Kanye. And it's not something, again, that just springs out of nowhere, right? This is all related to fucking QAnon rising and stuff like that. And really at the root of it, what it comes down to is that these people, people that buy into this shit have justifiable grievances with the system, but they don't have a fucking analysis of capitalism, what it means, right? So what it comes down to is Nazi shit. It's the same Nazi shit that came out of the fucking Third Reich, right? It's the Judeo-Bolshevik bankers, you know, the lizard people and shit like that. And it's all the same stuff. And it's like the stuff that we see, you know, we talked about earlier about like union organizing and the opportunity to, you know, actually like get people that are radicalized and get them to see the fucking truth. But the fact of the matter is our job is so difficult is because it's so much easier to say, oh, it's the fucking Jews, right? Mm -hmm. Just like fucking Hitler did. It's the stab in the back. It's the Jews. It's all these fucking scapegoats that fail to actually take into account the realities of the system that we fucking live in, right? And just this is where it goes every fucking time, every fucking time. So Go ahead, Ward. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely correct. And no, I was just going to tie on to that. It's just like, yeah, it's so easy for right wingers and so simple of a rhetoric to be able to know this minority group is your problem. Mm -hmm. And it's evidence clearly in the rise of anti-Semitism, but like it's across the board, all like hate crimes across the board against all minority groups are at some of the highest they've been. And they just keep going up. Steve, I think you're right to point out that, um, this is going to burn out because like just Kanye himself is burning way too brightly to have this last for like, he's talking about a fucking 2024 presidential run. Like that's something that he was very careful to not explicitly say, but definitely was saying in right. that entire three hours was like, I'm going to run for fucking president and I'm going to fucking win. Cause he kept saying he's going to walk just into the white, into the white house. Yeah. But, um, I think you're also right to point out Nick in that same token. It is a, just a revolving door but the message stays the same. Like the fascist movement is the important part and they pick and choose different figures. And as they get canceled, they will drop people like flies. They don't really care. Um, and they will just pick up new ones as they can. And you know, when other, another famous person stops taking their medication and they start like going down the rabbit hole online. Yeah. Then they might get sucked into it too. And then they will get canceled eventually and lose their career as well. But we've seen this enough times to know the pattern, but again, the fascist movement doesn't go away. And that was actually one of my biggest takeaways from this entire thing. I listened to about an hour 45 of it so far. And I really would, like I said, like to listen with anybody who else is, who is anyone else who's interested and react to the whole thing and dissect it because it is just time after time, they stumble upon class consciousness over and over and over again. And kind of even at one point said, he's like, we're all being thrown to the wolves. We're all being left to die by capitalism. He fucking named capitalism. And then they yeah. still have to go back to fucking Jews. Like, they don't understand. Like, And then they still will blame leftists. They blame literal Marxists. And then they say the problem is fucking capitalism. I'm like, these people are quite delusional. And that's I, I'm sorry. Like, that's my biggest takeaway. Like, I'm sorry. But, like, you guys on the right, you're dumb. Like, you're just, you're very dumb people. Like, and, I'm so, and, and then my apology to liberals is, like, they could still kill you. Like, they could be dumb and still win because they bought a whole bunch of guns and they just don't care that they're wrong anymore. And I'm sorry, but, like, liberals have to start realizing that we need to lock these guys up, like, yesterday if you want America to continue to exist. Like, this is getting real fucking dire real fast. But what you got, Nick? 
No, and just to kind of piggyback off of that and also to try to tie it back into my earlier point about why it's just you can't just reduce it down to about yay, right? Because that's what that's what liberals do, right? It's like, you know, and there's no coming back from coming out. You say you love Hitler and love Nazis and fucking rightfully so. Like, right, like I don't fucking care. Once you say you're a Nazi and you like Nazis, you're not human to me anymore. So whatever, like I don't really fucking care what happens to you, I guess, to put it extremely lightly, you know? In the mind. But, but to the point, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the, in the shaft. But like to the point of the the movement goes on and the movement adapts and fucking deals with that and they take advantage of it is you've already got folks like fucking Steven Crowder and I'm sure Matt Walsh will come out and be like, look, I'm going to be reasonable here, right? Like we can't love Hitler, guys, right? Like we all hate Nazis, we hate Hitler, but... You know what? Kanye does make a good point here, right? And that's yeah. how the fucking narrative and the story gets shifted rightward every time. And they move the quote unquote like Overton window or whatever it is. But it's like the guy just asking reasonable questions and taking in isolation what like, you know, like you said, Kanye does mention capitalism or mentions maybe some good point. And it's like, you know what? But he does raise a good point here that maybe we should take a look look at. You know, there are a lot of like Jewish people in Hollywood. Hmm. What's, what's that about? You know, and I'm just asking questions and I'm just going to talk about it. Right. So that's how this shit works. And that's how they continue to like keep the conversation where it is. And Kanye will get fucking discarded and rightfully fucking so, but you know what? You have to abolish the whole thing. It's this whole emphasis on individualism to begin with, right? That the problem is just Kanye, right? That's not it. That's not it. It's material conditions broadly. It's this whole fucking movement that you have to combat. And this is how it works. Yeah. I mean, like a kind of funnier point, but it goes into how they use people, right? There's a point later on, it's pretty close to the end, where it's like, there, there's a bunch of them in the room, and Alex Jones has to leave to like take a piss. And that like, with Ali Alexander or whatever, puts an Alex Jones mask on, and starts like imitating Alex Jones, and like basically says, this show's retarded, but we can do our thing here. And like, Alex <laughs> Jones is out of the room, and then like, you can see in his face, he realizes it's live. He's like, fuck, <laughs> but it's fucking hilarious. Oh my god. Steve, yeah. they did, by the way, on the video, the version of the video I watched, um, they did play that whole uh, cutaway bit where they mentioned the Balance Yaga scandal, and yeah. they they fucking trash Kanye in there. I know they they, they they pull his name out and say they name him, and they're like, yeah, oh, he's been all over the place for a while. He's in, oh my god, like in the very fucking interview that he's in, yeah. it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I thought was really funny, what was it that I was trying to point out in there? Oh, so Alex Jones, I put in the notes here earlier in the fucking chat here, the things that Alex Jones was very concerned about, because he kept, again, trying to run cover for Kanye, who kept going back to saying, like, I love the Nazis, I love uh, Hitler, I think, I, you know, it was really uncomfortable. And again, Alex Jones, his only cover for why he thinks Nazis are bad was because his grandfather fought in World War II. He yeah. doesn't denounce any Nazis since World War II. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He doesn't denounce any of the modern-day neo-Nazis, not a single one of them. He's just only talking about the ones that shot at his grandfather personally. Only those are the bad Nazis. There's, but, one, um, point, there's one point later on where he's like, so you love Nazis, so do you love the Azov Battalion? And Ye's like, I love everybody! Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, shh. <laughs> Ye does that a lot, so... Yeah. Oh my god, they actually brought up the Azov Battalion? Oh, they yeah. brought up Ukraine quite a bit, and, you know, Nick Fuentes just goes, oh, I'm just pro-Russian, I'm pro-Putin. And, like, that's... See, that's uh, that pissed me off, too, because I can feel like, you know, Nick, when you talk about harassing your friends with your socialist takes, it's like 
I feel like that's what my friends think I'm saying. When I say mm-hmm. that Ukraine is fucking infested full of Nazis, they think I'm just like, oh, I love Putin and I love Russia. It's like, no, I just think that Putin and Russia should not be quite as demonized by the U.S. media um, if they're being honest, because we literally are arming a bunch of fucking neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And pretending yeah. that that's not happening is not, uh, you know, catering to Putin. But Valid security bit, concerns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've started Discord posts once again. <laughs> I'm stating that I do not love Putin or anything like that. And it's like the need to fucking do that all the time drives me fucking crazy. But but what I wanted to get at originally was Alex Jones, when he's running cover for Kanye and he's trying to get him back on track and he's like, look, I don't care about the, the Nazis or whatever. Uh, you know, they're bad. But what I care about are forced injections, the world government, 5G, open borders, collapsing currencies and war with Russia. Those are the issues that he just rattled off off the top of his head, like no pausing whatsoever. He just had those ready to go in his mind at any time. (laughs) And I thought that was really. Yeah. And if you listen again, I mean, I don't listen to Alex Jones, but I listen to these guys analyze him. He whenever he has these like extreme right wing people on and he's had Fuentes on before, he guides them that way to like make sure they don't say anything overtly Nazi-ish, I guess, because he has, you know, he has all these people that buy pills from him. And he needs them to keep buying pills from him. And he doesn't want to come across as a Nazi because he doesn't want people, he doesn't want to lose his revenue. And so he always got, and most people just take the hint, but he was just like, no, I love Nazis. Fuck it. And he, and you could just see his face. So, like, so you would Shit. say he wants them to not see the truth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wants it to become more palatable to everybody, to like his, his, you know, more middle of the road listeners so they don't abandon him. And like, interestingly, when you talk about money in him, Right after that, they have another show that he was on with that Owen Troyer. And he was like, he was like, oh man, you guys don't understand how much we blew up. I have, I've got to pay so much for bandwidth. And then the next day he declared personal bankruptcy. <laughs> Hopefully it's tied together. <laughs> that was the so, other thing that I did notice was there's a shit ton of advertising for Alice Jones' supplements. Yep. And he keeps talking about how much they're very much on sale. They are very, very discounted, but also going to run out very, very soon. Yes. So it's like, that's what you do. Capitalism 101 for all his libertarian capitalist fans. Like, that's what you do when you have a, a product that's highly in demand. It's going to sell it very soon. You cut the price, right? Everybody yeah. knows that. That's what you do. <laughs> but um, just the, the other thing I wanted to point out in contrast to Alex Jones's things that he was very concerned about, which I would call very much spectacle. Kanye actually kind of brilliantly pointed out. He's like, what are the things that the government uses to control everybody? They use water, food, shelter housing or no shelter housing uh water food um education and medicine yeah material considerations right i'm saying but you just literally described material conditions you just stumbled into fucking material conditions it's like it blows my mind and like he would be so easily swayed into marxism again if he didn't have the whole fucking surrounding literal cabal of right-wing nationalists around him like he would be so easily swayed into any pattern of thought if somebody just took him by the hand and dragged like he's not a smart guy. He's just following whatever trail of breadcrumbs he comes across. Yeah. Can you imagine the alternate timeline where Kanye got wrapped up with Black Hammer? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's not much better. <laughs> <laughs> they I also are were... like pretty anti-Semitic. <laughs> I thought you were actually just going to say like with Marxism, but no, you took that in a good yeah. way. I, I appreciate that. Or the PSL. Or the what? The PSL. Uh, the PSL. Yeah, it would have been better. Would have been a better direction for Kanye to take. Um, 
All right. I mean, does anybody else have any other takes they have? Uh, any other points they want to make? Do you think that um, Kanye will get finessed by the LaRouche people? I feel like that no. would be... I feel like he'll give him a board of Muquentas, and then he'll... Because tr- I feel like that's the only ideology that would be the path of least resistance for him to be normalized. Because he could say, I'm, I'm mentally ill, blah, blah, blah. Nick Quintus took advantage of me, but the real anti-globalists are the LaRoucheites, you know? Because they used celebrities in the 80s and 90s when they were running for office, and that was, like, when they were the most successful. Yeah. This might not be a popular opinion, but I feel like it, like even LaRouche requires like a, a modicum of depth of understanding. And mm. it's not necessarily good or smart, but like an investment in time and like mental bandwidth. And yeah. I don't think Conway Kanye has that. No, he, the he level seems... he is on, he's like a manic street preacher. He is like literally like somebody who is recovering from some substance abuse and is now like doing some motivational speaking, but at a very low level, like the community level, yeah. like not even he's like a big time gig. Withdrawal. He's still affected by the withdrawal. Yeah, um, I think there was like some legal shit he had to deal with that um it was like proven in court or something that his doctors gave him too much lithium pills or something like that like antidepressants Mm -hmm. and it caused him to have a synaptic shock so that like he just he just never went to a a doctor after that he's been like off the grid medically like ever since then like he hasn't taken like any anti-addiction like um treatment programs or nothing and um I swear to he is on something like now. They're like they're he's either pumping himself with Adderall or some type of like I don't know, some like over the counter like white collar drug he's on, like Valium or something, like something expensive. Because um he's not sober. And um the people he's around are druggies, you know, yeah. all of his celebrity friends. You know? He's like Yeah, yeah. So so like uh not to say something too questionable here, because I am 110% not defending Kanye, but uh, I am bipolar. I make no secret of that. I'm very upfront and open with it, and it fucks my whole life up constantly. I'm not going to say that anything that Kanye is saying necessarily, like, his line of reasoning makes sense to me. I will say that, like, there's, like, there's a certain thought pattern that you like I have personally learned to recognize and like you know I I I thankfully fucking thank god or whoever uh have never gone down some sort of weird like I'm pro Adolf Hitler fucking shit but you just get off on this weird tangent like it's hard to explain to somebody who is not ever experienced those symptoms because I've I've genuinely had like a partner just sobbing next to me because I was trying to explain to her that she was not real and that I was going to leave the house to deal with my own problems that also were not real, which I can't make sense of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say leave the house, I mean out of the window of a second story apartment. Mm. Um, So when somebody is completely like unhinged and saying things that don't make sense, I, I would, I would almost argue that I don't know if I think that he is, actually into hit but i would also argue that i don't think it matters because advocating an ideology that is completely detrimental and fucked but i like i do think it is worth saying that like yeah his 
thought pat like when i see him talking like the train of thought makes sense to me as a, as a diagnosed crazy person you know to not to be too dismissive of of my diagnoses and shit yeah. what's up mike i was just gonna say like i feel like there's a couple things that i wasn't making quite explicit enough because there's a lot of things i don't say when i'm recording because it feels like i'm repeating myself too much and i never know if it's like worth saying again but like yeah it's really not a surprise that people in the u.s tend towards the fascists when conditions alienate them whether they're working class or whether they're a celebrity who has a career down downturn and a mental health downturn you know what i mean like the mental health outcomes like that kanye is having that happens to a lot of people and some of them are working class like us and they take a fascist direction and some of them are billionaires and they take a fascist fucking direction and again that's just not surprising when you when you just stomp class analysis out of everyone and you demonize communism more than anything else and like you fucking low-key make hitler seem like a cool guy because he's always like the subject of history channel document history channel documentaries and everything it's like we kind of understand i think implicitly the weird reverence that the u.s has for the nazis and like just the way that they portray them as like these snappy dresses and everything so that's always just there it's always there in the undercurrent and <clears throat> Yeah, again, I can't emphasize enough that, like, I'm not defending Kanye. I just I just want to say that, like, personally, like, as someone who probably has a pretty comparable mental illness diagnosis, I actually, like, I watch his train of thought and the way it just, like, like pinballs from one thing to another makes sense to me. The Nazi yeah. thing, uh, not so much, like, but... I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not quite sympathetic, but almost because uh yeah the, the the dude's a nut he needs he needs help like you yeah, know I, i'm all i'm saying this all as someone who was in treatment yeah i mean and the thing is is um if you remember like way back in 2006 7 8 9 like if you remember i feel like he is literally the tila tequila but the thing is tila tequila had less access to the media and less clout and less money and less mm -hmm. positioning on the mainstream media and, like, Tila Tequila, like, one minute she was talking about, like, the Illuminati, and she took advantage of her, her wife. Her Isn't wife, she a so flat earther? Yes, yes, yes. But she went nothing. I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about the first season of her uh, period <laughs> of just being a rabid conspiracy theorist. So she had a, you know, the Fulger Coffee Company? Yeah. Um, her girl, her wife, her married, the woman she married, had a big share in that company and she was a hearist and when she died of diabetes she basically said the illuminati did it and um she started going oh, down rabbit hole the rabbit hole and then within four years you see her with richard spencer at the national policy institute wow. and then after that like even the people even the people that were you know i don't want to be like bigoted but like people memed the shit out of her because people you know what people would call on the internet schizo posting and they'd find that shit entertaining. And then when they see her at National Policy, Policy Institute, it's like, oh, you're like actually a, a fascist. And then she yeah. lost her entire community after that. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with Kanye. But the thing is, he has enough fans that even if he loses 99% of them, there's still going to be hundreds of thousands of people that take his shit seriously. Tequila Tequila, she had a couple hundred thousand people daily going to her website. And if you take 99% of that, that's a couple thousand. Like she has a YouTube channel that gets like 900 views, a thousand views per video. 
where Connie, that's 40, 50 million. What's 1% of that? That's 4 million. So he's, he's going to be the size of like Jake Paul in terms of attendance, in terms of attention. And he's still going to be famous. He's still going to have, he's still going to have that legion. And what's scary is that there's still going to be a minority of them that go, I mean, again, I don't want to be bigoted or like ableist when I say this, but go full schizoid and do like even crazier shit because take 1% of that 4 million, that's 400,000. Like, you know, even numerically speaking, he's going to radicalize someone to do something crazy. Yeah. That's the, that's the last thing I wanted to say before was in addition to this, not being surprising that people with problems default to the far right in this fucking fascist country. Um, it also just explains why free speech again is fucking bad at the risk of repeating myself. Once again, free speech is bad because even if Kanye is saying all this shit for all the wrong reasons, because he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's, he's like mentally ill. He's going through some problems. Like he, like not all opinions are equal. And that's when you, when you have all these people in the far right who are like, Oh, the left is intolerant of our opinions. The left is intolerant of our speech. Like that's a, the other thing that Alex oh, Jones yeah, said over are. and over again was our free speech. Yeah, and, like, and the thing is, yeah because you're fucking objectively real, wrong and yeah. you're saying hate speech. Yeah. yeah, free speech isn't even real. Like, be a pro-Palestine uh, uh, professor in any part of the United States, you'll lose your job if you have any connection to BDS. But if you're a person talking about uh, you're going to go DEFCON 5 on, you know, a certain group, ethno-religious group of people, people get mad. But when you point out the Nakba, you know, the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians out of Israel, you think yeah. compare you to uh, whatever, you know? It's like, right, we got to wrap it up. Brandon, you had something. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to see what you had before we do, though. You had something uh, that you were raising your hand for? It, no, it wasn't terribly important. Just okay. if somebody died because of diabetes and they blamed it on Illuminati, that kind of makes sense to me. Because, like, in a weird way, right? Like, <laughs> right. Like, not to defend the idea of the Illuminati, but like when you realize that like powerful people control the price of insulin and shit like that, but you have no material understanding of the world around you. So you blame everything on the Illuminati. Yeah. They're not the Illuminati. They're just a bunch of fucking trust fund kids who fucking went to the right fraternities. And now they run Eli Lilly. Like it's not that it's really not that mysterious. You fucking idiots. It's all right. It's all right out there in front of you. It's all right out there. All right. Let's wrap it up before we keep running long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All of conspiracy theories are just like, uh, dialectical materialism filtered through like fantasy and sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it again next week. Thank you again, gentlemen. Yeah. Right. Thanks, guys. Had a blast. Take care, everybody. Good night. Take care. Bye. Bye.